Welcome to Podcasts, recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. As you know, we're working our way through Florence Scoville Shin's classic masterpiece, The Game of Life and How to Play It. Last week, we talked about the three main rules if you're playing this game of life. I guess we're all playing this game of life, but it's handy to know what the rules are. And so the three rules that we outlined last week are life responds to our thinking and our beliefs. Clear responses from life require clear inputs, and we must remove any mental uh, or emotional impediments to that success. So let me go over those really quickly. It's really the essence of the whole book. If we really got these three things, I think our lives would go amazingly smoothly. Life responds to our thinking and beliefs, so it's not the other way around. It's not the world making us think and believe. It's us using our thoughts and beliefs to move forward into our experience of the world. And of course, clear responses from life, from spirit, require clear inputs. So you have to know what you want, not just what you don't want. We talked about that a little bit last week, if you'll remember. Oftentimes, we're wholly fixated on what we don't want. Well, I don't want that. I don't like that job. I don't like that person. I'm upset about this. And we totally ignore the idea of, well, what do I want? How do I want to be treated? What do I want love to feel like? What should this relationship be like so that it would make my heart sing? What kind of job do I want? What kind of an apartment do I really want? So often we neglect the clarity of what we want and focus almost entirely on the things that are not going so well. And so then the final thing, which we're going to really talk about more in detail today, are the things that stand in the way. We need to move out of our consciousness the things that actually stand in the way of us playing this grand life. And the two things I want to focus on today, you're probably going to go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, how are those impediments to me being successful? Because the first one is the belief in good fortune, luck. And the second one is the belief that things are rotten. So let's talk a little bit about both of these today. First of all, are you feeling lucky? Has anyone said that to you before? Are you feeling lucky? I will share just a little bit about my past because I've always considered myself a lucky person. But then I'll explain, I think, the source of this idea of luck. So when I was uh, probably about four or five years old, And of course, I only know this story from my mom. She could have made it up. I don't know. But it does sound like something that I would have done. So she was at some kind of a charity raffle. She could buy a raffle ticket to buy, you know, different items. And so supposedly she said, well, Larry, you pick out what the family needs. And so I ran up and put my arms around a portable dishwasher, (laughs) supposedly, (laughs) supposedly, And she won that dishwasher. She bought one ticket and won a dishwasher. 
So ever since then, since I was that age, she said, you are my lucky charm. And I have to tell you, the internalizing of me being lucky has stuck through most of my life. And I can honestly say that I generally win things like raffles. I generally do. In fact, some of you are around and will remember like about four years ago, it was a talent show we were putting on and we had tickets, raffle tickets. And some of you may remember, I won three out of seven items that were being <laughs> raffled that night, right? Some of you were thinking there's something fishy here. So I recognize that I am lucky, but what is luck? Luck is my belief, my clear belief, that I will have a positive outcome. There's nothing mysterious about this. People who are lucky know that they are lucky. They know it's not magic. It's not even the odds of things happening. They know in their heart that good will come to them. And why shouldn't it come through a raffle ticket? Why shouldn't it come through other means? Okay, now I'm going to ask for some self-divulging. So what was it? $1.2 billion megabucks that was up recently? So be honest. How many of you bought a ticket? I have my hand up. I bought a ticket. Guess what? I won. I always win. I always win. I won $8. <laughs> I bought one ticket because why would I need more? I always win, right? But I only won $8. Now let's think about this for a minute. Why didn't I win $1.2 million? I had lots of dreams for how we'd use the money, right? Among them, you know, an even more fabulous church to be in, right? Pay off our mortgage, you know, right? I had some wonderful dreams. But I'll tell you, if you think back to last week, what do you get? You get what you're prepared to get. Was I really prepared to get $1.2 billion? I don't have a clue really how to manage that level of money. I don't really have a clue on investments or philanthropy. I mean, I have a glimmer of an idea but not a preparedness. And so even though I know I'm a winner, and that got me to win, I did not have the consciousness for $1.2 billion. So does luck exist? I don't think so. I think luck is a really a figment of our imagination. It's kind of a, a cultural thing. Are you lucky? Are you unlucky? It's your own belief in yourself. It's your own belief in whether life is good and treating you well and whether your affairs will be in good order. Then you might consider yourself lucky, but it's not somehow some magical charm. It's your own self-confidence in your life being well. And I would say that the true is uh, also the opposite of true. If you consider yourself unlucky, it's because you have a belief that very often things in your life are difficult. 
In fact, let me read from the book here. She has a, a fun example. She says, I know a man who said, I always miss hailing a cab. It invariably pulls out just as I arrive. But his daughter likewise said, I always catch a cab. It's sure to come just as I get there. These occurred for years, and each had made a separate spiritual law for themselves, one of failure and one of success. This is the psychology of all superstitions. And so if you really think about it, good luck and bad luck, what are you saying? You're complicit in the idea of duality. You're saying that there is a force of good in the world and there is a force of evil in the world and that the force of good will smile upon you and you'll win the lottery and the force of evil will somehow also be smiling on you or sneering at you and you'll experience poor outcomes. It's our imagination. There is only God and God is good and it would be God's good pleasure for you to have everything that you need and want to the level that you can be prepared for it, to the level that in your heart and in your mind you believe that it's true for you. Before we move on, of course, I found a joke about luck misapplied. And you'll remember last week, my jokes are starting to get kind of tenuous, right? It's like last week you had to know about math. Well, this week, do we have any Francophiles here in the audience? Okay, so if you know what that word means, you probably are one. You may be the only person that laughs at this joke, and that's okay. So Rabbi Levine is walking slowly when a gust of wind blows his hat down the street. He's an old gentleman and can't walk fast enough to catch it. Across the street, Bernie sees what's happening, rushes over, grabs the hat, and returns it to the rabbi. Rabbi Levine thanks Bernie. He places his hand on his shoulder and says, May God bless you and may God prosper you. Well, Bernie thinks... I've just been blessed by the rabbi. This must be my lucky day. So he goes to the races. He sees in the first race a horse named Top Hat, 20 to 1. So he bets $50, and the horse comes in first. Bernie's overjoyed. And in the second race, Bernie sees a horse named Fedora at 30 to 1. So he bets it all, and this horse comes in first also. Well, when Bernie finally returns home to his wife, she asks him where he's been. He explains how he caught the rabbi's hat, how he was blessed, and then he went to the betting office and started winning on horses that had hat somehow in their name. So where's the money, she asked. Well, I lost it all in the ninth race. I bet on a horse named Chateau. Oh. Okay, well, some of you will be scrambling for your dictionaries later. <laughs> so what's the other thing that can stand in our way? What's the other impediment? If a belief in luck can be an impediment to us having the lives we want to desire, what's another one? Well, have you heard the term, what you resist will persist? It's kind of a common new thought saying, and in the book, Florence Scoville Shin says, the trouble with it is the law of resistance and non-resistance. 
So again, what she says is there's some duality involved here. That which we resist, we typically perceive as evil, something gone wrong, a rotten boss, a terrible relationship, someone who's thwarting you down at the DMV, whatever it might be. It's perceived as a threat to you and therefore perhaps evil. And so we want to resist it, right? We dig our heels in and we're pissed off. We, we do whatever we can to fight the reality of what's going on right now. Whether it's a long line that you're stuck in in the supermarket and you start having negative thoughts about the checker who's being too slow and being too friendly or, or whether you're involved in a relationship and you're seeing all the little faults in the person that you're related to. The fallacy here and what is holding you up is that once again, you're dividing the world up into good and bad. And when you do that, you will not be focusing on your own good anymore. You'll be giving weight, you'll be giving credence to what you don't want more than what you do want. And so the law of non-resistance simply says the way around something is to go through something. Resistance has us try to avoid or buck the system, right? Resistance has us dig our feet in and say, no, I will not stand for my life as it is right now. I, I need to circumvent this. I need to sleep through this. I need to medicate myself <laughs> until it's over. I need to do what's necessary so that this will not have a negative effect on me. The law of non-resistance says... There is no evil. There is really no bother here. Just stay firm in your course of the good that you desire. So I want to use an example. Uh, many of you know that I worked for the telephone company for many years and was in a position of some responsibility. But I have to tell you about, I guess it would be about 20 years ago now, maybe 25 years ago, I had my worst ever boss. I mean, can you imagine? It was like out of some bizarre Dilbert cartoon or something, I swear. It was like my boss used to regularly dress people down in public, for one thing. You'd go to a business meeting with 30 people, and he would just start lighting into people and saying terrible things about people's work ethic and so on. He wasn't very good, I don't think, at managing things. In my head, I had a list about as long as you could get about why he was a terrible boss, and in fact, why he was doing things to thwart some of the good going on in our department. What I realized, though, and it's interesting that I even could instinctually understand this. I had just barely started in this particular teaching. But I realized, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's no way really around this. So what do I need? If my dream is success, if my dream is being a good coworker, if my dream is enjoying life here at the telephone company, the answer isn't trying to get even with this guy. The answer isn't trying to, you know, report him to HR or any of these things. That's total resistance to my life. What if I simply focus on success? Success for myself, success for my department. 
And wait a minute, even success for my boss. So instead of resisting him, I actually kind of leaned into him. Now, don't get me wrong. I didn't put up with a, a lot of nonsense. I didn't become a doormat. But I used to go and seeking out in his office and say, you know how we could really be successful? I'd start my communications that way. Do you know how our department could really shine? And I would do it one-on-one -on -one so that if he, you know, went off on me or whatever, there wouldn't be a lot of fallout to the rest of the department. And I got to tell you, after time, after a time, he started coming around. He stopped chewing me out in public. He started taking some of my suggestions because, of course, they were his suggestions to the larger team. He started taking some of my suggestions for work assignments that were a little bit of better fit. The department started doing really well. And guess what? I got hired out of that department and was given a promotion. He disappeared. He was gone out of my life. This is the way that instead of resisting what's going on, you actually move through it. Instead of trying to get around it, instead of trying to confront it, you actually move through it. So non-resistance. You know, there's an ancient saying about water that it is the ultimate conquering force. And yet, what does it do? It does nothing but move around objects, right? And it's its own personal nature that actually erodes away the roughness in life. It's doing nothing more than just being its own constituent as it slides through on its path downward because of gravity. It's nothing more than just following its own nature and yet it can wear away the troubles of the world. And so that's what I'm asking you to consider this week. And in fact, you can imagine it might be in your homework. We'll get there in a minute. But non-resistance is one of the great powerful things that you can do to further your lives in this grand game of life. So let me review here what we're talking about. The game of life responds to our thoughts and beliefs. You'll remember from last week, we get what we're prepared to get. There's no luck involved. Remember, believing in luck, I'm having a lucky day. Uh, you know, what if my luck doesn't hold out? It's really a belief in duality. The only luck that really exists is your faith in your own ability to have a good outcome. You're only lucky because you believe you're lucky. You're only lucky because you have a heartfelt belief that something good is going to happen. And generally, your luck is only, again, commiserate with your ability to be prepared, right? It's like I won the big lottery for $8. <laughs> right? I had the consciousness of being a winner because I am a winner. You know me, right? Am I not a winner? I mean, my mom's been telling me that since I was five years old, and by gosh, she's been right. I am a winner. But is my consciousness big enough to see really wonderful outcomes? I'm working on it. And I have one some amazing things in my life, but I don't think of it as luck anymore. I don't really think of it as winning a prize. 
I think about it as claiming my good. I think about it as my own faith being strong enough to accept the good in my life. God is always willing to give. God is the greatest giver, right? Because God is the source of all good. God is always willing to give. How big is my heart? How big is my mind? How big are my emotions around receiving that good? Well, in the case of the Oregon lottery, only $8 worth. But I got to tell you, in other areas in my life, oh, the good is so powerful, so wonderful, and it's not luck. What is it? It's spiritual confidence. It's the confidence in knowing there's good for me and I shall have it. Let's get back to the whole idea of a game. When you were kids, did y'all play Monopoly? Okay, remember the dreaded chance card that just sent you to jail no matter what? And you were stuck there, was it for two turns or three turns? I can't remember. It was so achingly disappointing as you would watch your friends going around and building hotels and you'd just be stuck in jail. Well, I want to give you the get out of jail free card. The get out of jail free card is clarity on your co-creative power with spirit. It doesn't depend on luck. It doesn't depend upon good fortune. It doesn't depend upon outer circumstances at all. Your get out of jail free card is simply you knowing without question, as much as you can, and I know sometimes this can be difficult. Sometimes the doubts are just circling in our mind. I, I know that that is true. But to the degree that you can really anticipate and picture yourselves already successful in whatever area of your life you'd like to have success, you will be successful. That is preparing for your good. That's your get out of jail free card. So homework. What aspects of your life do you resist? I bet every single one of you has one or two things that you're resistant to in your life right now. It might be a boss. It might be uh, someone or something that just bugs the heck out of you. It might be our existing political system and what it's bringing to the United States right now. It might be a neighbor that you're feuding with. It might be a coworker or, a, or an aunt or I don't know who or what. But I would be very surprised if everyone here isn't in resistance to some part of their life. It might be something as easy as resisting the aging process. <laughs> Have you thought of that one? So your homework is, what can you do not to try to get around it, not try to be in resistance to it, not try to put up a fight, but rather to move through it with grace, and knowing your true power, knowing what's true for you, knowing that there is good involved. Back to the story about my uh, boss at the telephone company. I would not have gotten that promotion and that great job if he would have not been there as an impediment to my path. Now think about this for a minute, right? It was because of him that I got real clear about what I wanted out of this job. Remember that whole clarity thing? I was real clear 
because of him, I knew what I wanted. I knew what the department would do to shine. My impediment was actually on my path of success. So instead of trying to avoid it, I moved toward it. Again, homework assignment. What aspects of your life are you currently resisting? And what can you do to give up that resistance and actually claim your good in alignment with that seeming obstacle? All right, well, I'm going to close with a short quote from the book and a prayer. She says, nothing on earth can resist an absolutely non-resistant person. The Chinese say that water is the most powerful element because it is perfectly non-resistant. It can wear away a rock and sweep all before it. Jesus Christ, the master teacher, said, resist not evil. Be not overcome of evil, but instead overcome evil with good. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one joy, one peace, just this one thing. All the love in the universe, all the abundance that exists, it's all there in spirit, as spirit. And today I claim that good for myself and for everyone within the hearing of my voice. Each of us has that possibility of bringing clarity to our heart's desire and bringing confidence into our claiming of that good, preparing for it, picturing ourselves already having it. It is the nature of God to respond positively to our thoughts, our beliefs, our emotional state, and our actions. And so on this day, I claim for all of us a willingness to let go of the resistance, a willingness to let go of a belief in, in evil or poverty or any of the negative things. They may exist for us to see, but they do not exist in the mind of God. In God, there is only good, only love, only life, only power, only health. That is the nature of spirit, and that is our nature. I'm grateful for this awareness. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here. What a pleasure to have you with us today. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. 
Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.